I would have done more of a due diligence on learning about these particular programs and just kind of seeing what the programs are all about. Because a lot of times, like you said, it, it can be glamorized or people are, you know, chasing logos, if you will, chasing a title. It's like, oh man, I want to work for that school because like I did, I want to work for North Carolina because I love Carolina basketball. But if the culture there isn't something that matches your views, or if you know you're going to go in there and it's going to be 90% of a food service job and you really aren't that interested in managing all the product and whatnot, then it's probably not going to be a good fit for you long-term. Welcome to the RD Jobs Podcast where you will not only hear up close and personal stories of dietitians in unconventional careers, but you also get to interact and tell me who you want to hear from and get your questions answered. From my experience in counseling weight loss clients to working as a food service director to my time in corporate nutrition at Google, I knew that a conventional path was not for me. Tag along with me as I ask dietitians to share their stories on how they created their own path in the dietetic world. So fun fact, I had zero idea what a sports dietitian actually did. You'll definitely hear me say that at one point in the conversation. I really did think it was just a position where you help people get more lean or bulk up if they want to, like on season, off season, whatever it may be. Um, Tim shed a completely different light on the profession as a whole. I genuinely feel like I not only understand the different aspects of the job and what it entails, but also the ups and downs that can come with the profession as a whole. So this, this is going to be great. Okay. So let's hear from Tim. Starting off the podcast, my question for you is you have finished your nutrition degree. You have completed your dietetic internship and passed the RD exam. What was the very first step for you as a brand new dietitian and how did it lead you to where you are today? Yeah. So it was kind of funny when I finished. So I actually went to undergrad for um, exercise science, kinesiology, mm-hmm. did my graduate work um, in nutrition. Mm-hmm. So that was a coordinated program. So a little bit different than some students who are doing like a, a DI, a year long internship. Our internship was woven into the coursework over the uh, period of uh, two years. Yeah. So at the end of my internship, uh, my community um, nutrition internship, I knew that I kind of wanted to get into sport nutrition. I thought that could be a possible career path for me. I'd taken a sport nutrition elective class mm-hmm. as part of my graduate studies and was like, I would rather do this than work in a hospital, like in the clinical side of things. Right. I've been, been an athlete my whole life, so I wanted to go down that path. And I really just reached out to the director of sport nutrition down at the University of North Carolina. Mm-hmm as being a big basketball fan, you know, loved the Tar Heel basketball. and was like, you know, if I could get an opportunity to go down there and just be an intern, just kind of see what it was like working in sport nutrition at the college level and mm-hmm. see if that was something that might interest me. Mm-hmm. So I just reached out to her um, the spring of my last year of grad school. and was like, do you take interns for the summer? Like mm-hmm. I'm willing to come down, just do whatever is needed, you know, volunteer, help out. And she's like, yeah, you know, if you want to take the trip down, like I'm from Boston originally, so mm-hmm. drive down to North Carolina. He's like, it's unpaid, but you know, you can come down here for the summer and, you know, get your feet wet in the collegiate sport nutrition world. So I did that. Yeah. And then that position turned into um, a, a year long term position with them. So yeah. I finished up that summer internship and then stayed on for a full year. And then that's kind of how I got started into sport nutrition as a career. 
That's awesome. So did they eventually pay you after your internship was over? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I did the, the three months and then it was right around the start of uh, fall training camp for football where they mm-hmm. offered me a full-time paid position for that one year. Um, it was kind of good timing, just the fact that they had a donor who was very um, involved with nutrition and was really a mm-hmm. big advocate for nutrition. And they had funded a year-long position that they continue to fund every single year. So every awesome. year they have a new like fellowship uh, position, if you want to call it that. Yeah. They bring people down and they work in that program. So That's great. So you worked there for a year? Yes. Yeah. It was a year long position. And then Mm -hmm. at the end of that term, um, I moved on to uh, Baylor University where I was there for almost three years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started there. I was originally hired just to be the football dietitian. um, And they had a they had a director who was there um, running the entire program. But the football coach who was coming in, Coach Rule, wanted someone just for football. So I got hired Mm -hmm. into that position. And then six weeks after I got there, uh, the woman who was the director there, she ended up leaving and taking a new job elsewhere and just kind of, I was handed the keys at that point to the entire program. So it was like, I would consider that to be, even though I was at Carolina for a year, like that was really my first full-time, like full responsibility type of role in college uh, nutrition. So I had no idea what the heck I was doing. So it was a, <laughs> it was a big, uh, you know, learning curve for sure. But I had a lot yeah. of great support around me to kind of help me through the challenging times and help me learn on the fly, essentially. Because I mean, I started in June of that year in 2017, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. obviously we had the summer went by really quick. And before you know, we're like in the middle of fall training camp in August. Yeah. And, you know, as folks will tell you in the sport and nutrition world, like it just goes by so fast. Mm-hmm. once you get into that football season. So not a lot of time to really plan or do much of anything. You're just kind of always trying to play catch up. Right. So I don't have a lot of experience in sports nutrition. What does the everyday job look like for someone who's the director of nutrition? Yeah. So, I mean, it really varies. A lot of programs, you know, the directors set up their programs differently. You know, I'd say in general, there's a clinical component to um, running the program. So there's clinical, there's a food service piece, there's education piece, obviously. And then a lot of programs are now integrating like an applied, uh, sport nutrition where that's like body composition, sweat testing, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So how the program looks in the day-to-day structure varies depending on what they value more. So like there are some programs around the country who devote a lot of their time to the clinical side of things. Mm-hmm. So they're spending a lot of time in, you know, one-on-one counseling, maybe doing eating disorder seminars or trainings, mm-hmm. you know, working with coaches on that side of things, working heavily with sports medicine, helping athletes recover from injuries, but it's mm-hmm. strictly like in a clinical setting. Right. There's some programs who do very little of that. They're not doing really any one-on-one or very little one-on-one mm-hmm. um, consulting. And it's a lot of food service. So they're managing, you know, fueling stations in the weight rooms or in the stadiums mm-hmm. of their programs. They're managing, you know, the um, student-athlete dining halls, which a lot of programs will call their training table. Mm-hmm. So they're managing that. So it's a lot of, like, product ordering, receiving, inventory, things along those lines. Mm-hmm. So it really, like I said, really depends on their values there. So at at Baylor, it was predominantly a food service operation when I got there. Okay. So we had 25 um, student interns. 
who would come help us manage all the products. We had close to 50 different sport nutrition products from, you know, recovery shakes in the fridge to Gatorade and water, right. to just, you know, fruit and snacks that the athletes could come and grab before a training session. Mm-hmm. So they're managing all of that and then managing obviously the dining hall, the athlete dining hall. So we had, you know, weekly meetings with the chef. So planning menus wow. for that. Um, and then, so that's just, you know, on the ground floor, managing those team-wide, athletic department-wide responsibilities. But then, you know, you have your own team responsibilities. So for me, working with football, it was, you know, being at practice, helping out with hydration with the athletic trainers. You know, we'd often do hydration testing on the athletes and then mm-hmm. prescribe them um, their own hydration uh, protocols from there. Um, you know, meeting with the guys one-on-one throughout the day, if they were weight gain, weight loss, um, weight maintenance, just want to look to better their performance. Mm-hmm. We do body composition testing with them you mm-hmm. know, pretty frequently throughout the year. And then on top of that, like during the season, you know, the dietitians would travel with the teams that they were covering. So it's, you know, talking to the hotels to plan mm-hmm. the menus, talking to the, the airline that we were on to plan the snacks and whatnot that we're going to be serving wow. on, the, on the plane. Mm-hmm. So like every aspect from taking off from the bus to get into the airport, getting to the hotel, you're managing all the food and the menus and whatnot throughout mm-hmm. that entire timeline. <clears throat> and then obviously game day, you know, helping out, providing fueling pregame, you know, making sure guys are getting what they need. And then, you know, handling the halftime fueling, meeting with vendors from all different areas to provide um, post-game fueling and mm-hmm. then it just repeats again getting back on the plane snacks food and whatnot so you're handling the entire you know food responsibilities for those teams yeah so it doesn't sound like this is a typical nine to five job am i hearing that correctly or do yeah, you that's actually... absolutely correct okay <laughs> <laughs> especially during the particular season that you're involved with so right so for me when i was heavily involved in football i mean training camp starts in august and run the season runs through December. If you are fortunate enough to make a bowl game, you're playing later, late into December, even mm-hmm. early January. Mm-hmm. So it's you know really seven days a week because the team is training or they're practicing. Obviously, you have games on Saturdays, and then you're flying mm-hmm. and whatnot. So yeah, you're working seven days a week, you know, eighty to hundred hours in some cases. Wow. Um, per week, and then you know in the springtime, you know, kind of settles down a little bit. Is they're just the football athletes are just training for the most part in the weight room from mm-hmm. January to March where they have their spring spring season and spring practices. So it gets a little bit busy around the March, April time frame and then mm-hmm. summer they're back again training. So there's a little bit of downtime like after the season in January and then around that May time frame when most of the seasons are coming to a close. Yeah. And that end of May, early June. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely not your typical nine to five job. So wow. you got to be prepared if that's a route that you want to <laughs> dive into. Yeah, you got to be prepared to work long hours for sure. Yeah. And I'd assume you also have to be prepared and okay with traveling too. Yes, yes, exactly. So that, again, that kind of um, varies depending on the right. school. Right. So some schools may have the dietitian travel to every game. Some in with football, typically they're going to be traveling to every single game, mm-hmm. um, home, home and away. They're present. Mm-hmm. Other sports, they might travel. So when I was at Baylor, um, the dietitian with the Olympic sports, so your soccer, baseball, basketball, they would travel two times a month 
Mm-hmm. And then if the team made postseason play, so if it was, you know, women's soccer was in their postseason tournament, then they would travel and go with them to the postseason tournament just because it's an important time of year to be involved. Right. right. So. so with working so many hours or potential hours, are you, is that a salary position or are you getting paid hourly? No, yep. Full-time salary. Okay. So you're kind of just at their, at their mercy. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So you're <laughs> just like any other support staff, you know, athletic trainers, strength mm-hmm. conditioning coach, you know, you're just, you're tied into them. Now I will say the, the difference is, you know, a lot of times schools will have some athletic trainers who work only for a specific team and the strength mm-hmm. coach or a strength staff who works for a certain team. Mm-hmm. Whereas the tied the dietitian, because it's really a new field as far as sport right. or nutrition, like, you know, 2014 deregulation in NCAA, that's when the boom kind of hit. Mm-hmm. So there's not a one-to-one ratio of sport RD to athletic team. Mm-hmm. So when you're covering, you know, in some cases, five, six teams, that are all competing in the fall or the spring, obviously the travel is going to be a little bit limited and your role is a little bit limited compared to an athletic trainer or strength coaches only has that team as their responsibility. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So how long are you still in that current position at Baylor? No. So in 2019, yeah, 2019, I left to go um, be the director of football sport nutrition up at the university of Colorado. Mm -hmm. That was a brand new position that was created. Again, there was a coach who came from university of Georgia, Mm -hmm. obviously in in certain um, conferences around the country, you know, resources are a little bit different than others. Right. So he was used to having all the resources because Georgia being an sec school, they're kind of have unlimited resource in a way. So he wanted a football only dietitian, at Colorado when he took the head job there. Mm-hmm. So I, I went up there, took that job. And then I recently transitioned out of out of that role um, this past January. So I moved uh, closer to home. Again, I'm from um, Boston, Mass. I moved closer mm-hmm. to family who's all out here on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I partnered with a performance center out here in Massachusetts mm-hmm. called Impact Sports Lab. Okay. So I'm their director of uh, performance nutrition there. So responsible for really building the nutrition program from the ground up, you know, they started off as being like a training uh, center for athletes. And then they also Mm -hmm. had a mental conditioning piece. Oh, wow. Um, So they're training athletes on their mental health and dealing through adversity and things like that. Right. Which I, which I think is great. It's definitely, that's an area that's very undervalued when it comes to high performance athletics is that mental component. Mm -hmm. Uh, More and more places are starting to get on board with that. Mm-hmm. but I saw an opportunity. I just reached out to them. I was like, you know, I see you guys are doing the training. You're doing the mental conditioning, which is great. I don't see that you're doing nutrition. That's obviously a huge piece of uh, athletic performance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I came on board with them and we've been building that up uh, since January. That's amazing. So you essentially saw that there was a need and you actually created that position and then walked into that or they, or you already there and you said that they needed more of a nutrition component. No, yeah, this was just me kind of reaching out to them, kind of cold calling, essentially. Yeah. And kind of creating that position. And I was fortunate enough that, you know, they saw a value in providing nutrition services for Mm -hmm. their athletes that they wanted to partner up with me. 
Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, you said something a little bit earlier that it's kind of a new up and coming thing to have a dietitian or to really focus on nutrition. How recent would you say that that started to become a priority to sports teams? Well, I know some sports teams have had sport RDs and they've partnered with them. I wouldn't say they've been full time. It's more right. of been in a consulting role. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably i say that probably began early 2000s, maybe even earlier. I, I could okay. be wrong in that. I don't know how far back it goes. But as far as having full-time sport dietitians on staff, that really has only started you know, since 2010. Mm-hmm. So almost a decade or so. So not, yeah. not very long at all. That's relatively new. Absolutely. Yes. And like, I think the NFL was really the first professional league to kind of come full swing with that and they were hiring a lot of full-time sport rds mm. um, for all their teams and most yeah. of the teams i don't think all the teams right now have a full-time um, dietitian and then slowly you know major league baseball right. nba hockey is probably still lagging as far as <laughs> hiring that but, uh, but like those those three big sports yeah you know we're pushing to have sport rds on their staffs full-time Yeah, that makes sense. If I'm being completely honest, I had no idea that there was so much that went into it. My thought every time I heard of like a sports dietitian, I just thought, oh, they're there with the players. You know, maybe they want to bulk up or maybe they need to get more lean or, you know, they need to lose weight or gain weight. I thought that that was the bulk of their job when it came to working with athletes. But you've just explained, I mean, a ton of different things. I had no idea there was a clinical aspect and a food service aspect like that. You wear a lot of hats in that position. Yes, the responsibilities are very broad. Yeah. Like you yeah, like you said you wear a lot of hats and like I said it's kind of up to the dietitian in that role to really you know put the priorities where they see, you know, they're going to make the most impact to their athletes. Mhm. You know, like I said some really focus on that food service and like some of the schools and programs it looks like a 7-Eleven when you walk into some of their fueling stations. <laughs> I mean just stocked with, you know, 15 different types of, you know, protein bars and Mm -hmm. jakes for after the workouts and they got interns making you know customized smoothies after the training sessions and whatnot and then there's other schools who really don't put a lot of emphasis on that and you know they might have a couple of options as far as you know recovery snacks and whatnot Mm -hmm. and shakes but they really do a lot of their impact through the education or some of that applied sports science I was talking about looking at blood work or different injury injury protocols, supplementation protocols and the consulting piece. Yeah, that makes sense. So if we're looking at kind of a culmination of all the different positions that you've held, how does the salary compare to, let's say a regular clinical position that maybe if someone was working at a hospital? Yeah. So I would say for the majority of positions, it's going to be around that 60 in some cases lower. Okay. So I would say entry level is going to be 40 to 60. Mm-hmm. And then as you progress up, if you're, you know, associate director or director, you know, 60 to 90 at the mm-hmm. college level mm-hmm. or professional level, <clears throat> oftentimes you're looking at, you know, a hundred thousand plus. Okay. That makes sense. So kind of the more professional, the higher, I don't even know how to say that correctly, <laughs> but uh, the more professional teams you work with, the higher you might get paid. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. You get higher level of competition, there you're you likely to get higher level of pay. And I would say that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know of, you know, this is a few years ago, professional level job that opened at $40,000. Mm-hmm. So again, it kind of comes down to <clears throat> the value that the organization 
places on the dietitian and their right. responsibilities. Yeah. So that's going to go a big, a long, I should say a long way in driving the salary, determining the salary. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, you know, because the field is so young, there's a lot of turnover mm-hmm. in these positions because folks will go to, and they want to advance their career. So they're going to better opportunities or mm-hmm. maybe they're, we're forced to leave home because there's not a lot of opportunities where they're from so they leave right. and then a couple of years later position opens closer to home so they move for those reasons okay um but like when those in like 2014 like i was saying a lot of new positions were being created right you know, there was a, a large demand for dietitians and maybe not there wasn't a lot of highly qualified sport dietitians at the time right. to take those roles on yeah that makes sense that makes yep. sense so if someone was interested in this position and let's say, you know, they really love sports, they love sports nutrition, but they're not certain about what they would be getting themselves into, what would be one piece of advice that you would give them or something that you would um, that you would like to shed some light on? Because I know that sometimes you can walk into uh, a certain field and, and really glamorize it. So what should yes. someone know about this field that would be important, you think? Well, I think like you said, you know, addressing, you know, the time commitment that it's going to take to get it, like if you're, especially if you're going to get into college sport nutrition, mm-hmm. like just being aware of the time commitment um, and that, you know, you're probably going to be doing things that you wouldn't expect to be doing as a dietitian. Like you said, you know, the roles, you wear so many different hats. And yeah. I know for myself, when I first got involved in sport nutrition, I didn't think it was like the dietitian wore that many hats. I was kind of like right. you know, the same thought process as you. It was like, oh, you know, hang around the team, you do some one-on-one consults, help guys or girls gain weight, lose weight, you know, performance, hydration, but didn't even think about all the administrative responsibilities, budgeting responsibilities, mm-hmm. you know, managing intern staff and whatnot, like the travel and all those kind of things. Right. So, you know, I would say try to reach out and talk to as many people in the field who are doing those roles Mm -hmm. and just try to get as much knowledge about their position um, as you can. Mm -hmm. I think too, honestly, like if it's really something that you want to get involved in as much as I would say to go and like volunteer, like I did or try to intern in some of these places, Mm -hmm. a lot of times you're not going to get like the full view of what the role does as an intern. Right. Like you're going to do the stocking, you're going to do, you know, making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you know, moving Gatorade pallets around. <clears throat> so a lot of times you're not going to get the full view of what the, what the sport dietitian is actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do find yourself in that position, you know, ask, ask your supervisor to get more hands-on experience, watch them do a counseling session, help them with body composition in some way, mm-hmm. You know, just try to see all the different avenues that they're involved with as opposed yeah. to just going about your day, doing your stocking and whatnot. Right. Because you don't really get all that much out of it. Right. So it sounds like you're recommending that they really kind of go above and beyond to put themselves out there, ask questions, find new situations so that they're not just doing the, you know, the stocking, the making of the sandwiches. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And I think, so, too, you know, you can't be afraid to like leave your area of comfort. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, for myself, the Northeast, there's really not a lot of sport nutrition going on. Mm-hmm. Um, even today, you know, six years later, a lot of universities haven't developed um, sport nutrition programs. So like yeah. I 
if I wanted to get involved in sport nutrition, I had to leave this uh, geographical area mm -hmm. to go find work somewhere else. So it's doing that. But then, you know, I would say if, if I had to do it all over again, I would have done more of a due diligence on learning about these particular programs mm -hmm. and just kind of seeing what the programs are all about. Because a lot of times, like you said, it, it can be glamorized or people right. are, you know, chasing logos, if you will, mm -hmm. chasing a title. It's like, oh man, I want to work for that school because like I did, mm -hmm. I want to work for North Carolina because I love Carolina basketball. Mm -hmm. But if the culture there isn't something that matches your views, or if you know you're going to go in there and it's going to be 90% of a food service job and you really aren't that interested in managing all the product and whatnot, right? then it's probably not going to be a good fit for you long-term. So really try to get an idea of what that culture of the program is to see mm -hmm. if it's going to match what your interests are. That's a really good suggestion because I think kind of like you just said, if someone's just a logo chaser and they're like, hey, I'd love to work for this team, that's wonderful and that's great. But if they don't, if the coach and you don't align with what you see vision wise, then, you know, you're not going to be happy in that job. Right. Exactly. And I yeah. think that happens all too often is they, people get really excited because it's a big school or a big mm -hmm. you know, professional team that they want, they really want to work for. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we'll just take the job to take it, not really fully understanding, you know, the scope of what they're getting involved with until mm -hmm. they get in the position like, Oh man, I didn't know it was going to be like this. And they, you know, have regret because they really can't do much to change it. Right. That makes sense. So let's say somebody doesn't necessarily quite yet have the opportunity to work at, um, or work with athletes and they really want to build up their resume and their personal experience so that they're more well equipped for this type of job. What kind of experience do you think that they should try to look for in the meantime while they're waiting to get more specific athlete experience? Yeah. I mean, I think if you use the term athlete, I mean, it's so broad as far as the definition. I mean, you can True. consider folks working out at their local gym, like your weekend warriors or, you know, people doing Spartan races, like the definition of athlete can really be anyone that just moves their body and is active, mm -hmm. an active individual. Mm -hmm. So I would say from that standpoint, you know, getting involved in trying to observe someone who is working with those kind of people, whether it's like your local gym, like YMCA or, you know, Lifetime Fitness or whatever that mm -hmm. hires a dietitian that works with active people that you can kind of get some exposure to or <clears throat> building a, a clientele. Right. that avenue yourself right just kind of get involved with active individuals mm -hmm. um that would be a big one and i would say you know because a lot of times sport nutrition at those higher levels does involve a level of food service mm -hmm. you know getting involved they're just you know keeping up to date with you know serve safe and proper right. handling of food and if you have the opportunity to get into a kitchen somewhere just to kind of on the like the managerial side like mm -hmm. that would be great experience or <clears throat> any yeah. kind of culinary experience you can get like that's all going to be beneficial um as far as a skill set to yeah. help stand you out um in the field yeah that's awesome so going back to when we talked about how you there's you know a lot of hours that you have to be really flexible with how is it that you were able to find a work-life balance with that I don't know if I did. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, again, you kind of have to like know going in mm -hmm. to the year. Like, you, like I would say the year starts and ends in May mm -hmm. and kind of goes through. That's the, really the um, athletic department yearly calendar is mm -hmm. um, like June to May of the next year. 
Mm-hmm. Just having realistic expectations. Like, <clears throat> so for myself, I knew that from August to <clears throat> uh, January, mm-hmm. it was football. That was going to take up a lot of my time, and I wasn't going to have a lot of time to hang out with friends on the weekends or you know do yeah. social things. So I just kind of knew that going in, and just kind of maximized the time from January to you know that and through the summer. Yeah. To, to do those kind of things. Yeah, that makes sense. That's good advice. So, I mean, it can be very discouraging, especially if you're not aware or prepared for that commitment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing? Like, I'm working so many hours and a lot of yeah. folks can get burnt out really fast because they're just not anticipating the load or they don't know how to like use the season to kind of ebb and flow their, their social right. calendar. Right. That makes sense. I like that though. That's really good advice. All right. So I usually end every podcast with the same question. And that is, if you had one piece of advice for someone who is looking to get into this field, one thing that you should know, you think they should know before they go into it, what would it be? Hmm, One thing that they should know. Uh, I would say that, you know, Overall, the whole podcast, it made it seem like this is like Debbie Downer. No, no, not at all. Nutrition, which I don't mean to come off like that at all. Because, I mean, it is a very rewarding career path, Mm -hmm. especially because you're you're so involved with the teams and like, it's great to see the athletes have success and the teams have success and being a part of that is just something really special that you can't get from a lot of other professions in dietetics. Mm so I say, don't let that scare you away from doing it. Right. Um, but I think the biggest thing, like I said earlier, is just like do your homework on the programs and really like make sure that this is something that you want to do and that you're going to commit to and not just chasing logos, chasing, you know, the titles and whatnot of these yeah. positions because yeah. it sounds cool or it sounds exciting because, again, you really don't know what you're getting yourself into until you do your homework on it. Right. That makes sense. So just talk to as many people as you can. I will throw a little plug. Um, the, the College and Professional Sport Dietetics Association, CPSDA, mm-hmm. um, they do a great job. They have a program. <clears throat> it's called the SNP program. It's sponsored by Gatorade, Sports uh-huh. Nutrition Immersion Program. Mm-hmm. So they take um, students who are either at the college level or even, even graduate um, <laughs> students, and they you know, you have to go through application process and do interviews and whatnot to get selected. I want to say they select maybe 10 to 12 folks per year. Okay. And, and they place them around the country in these different sport nutrition programs. Some are at the college level, some are at um, the professional level, mm-hmm. some are working in the military, so like Naval Academy and whatnot. Yeah. Um, Navy Special Forces, those are considered, you know, athletes as well. Right. They put them there. They put them in like high performance training centers um, and just kind of give them exposure. Yeah. And all of the folks that they are linked to also have to go through application process of, you know, submitting why they would be a good location to have an intern Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. whatnot. So they're usually pretty established professionals in the field. So the places that these um, students are going, like they're getting a really good experience and they're learning from some of the best in the field of sport nutrition so usually that's a good launching pad to then yeah. getting your first full-time job and entry level. Yeah. I'm sure you make awesome connections through that too. Yes. Yes. Very good connections. And, you know, CPS day itself has a lot of great um, 
connection opportunities, whether it's, you know, their conferences or mm-hmm. listservs, you know, they're very um, open and receptive to new, new um, members trying to kind of break their way in and just learn as much yeah. as they can. So it's a very helpful group of individuals. Like I've cold called and cold emailed <laughs> tons of people in the profession and I've mm-hmm. always got a good response and people are willing to help you. Yeah. Um, so I love that. definitely don't hesitate yeah, to reach out to them and just, just learn. Yeah. Speaking of reaching out, if anybody has a question about sports nutrition or perhaps the different positions that you've held before, would you be willing to answer some questions? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Anyone, they can yeah, reach out. Might take a, the- a day or two to get back, but I'll definitely <laughs> respond to the email. So. Awesome. What would be the best way to reach you? Um, email is fine. Okay. So I'll put that down in the show notes as well as on the blog. Um, and do you uh, ever act as a preceptor in your position, your current position? Uh, in this current position, I do not. Okay. But I do know that <clears throat> um, many college um, programs do offer that. Mm-hmm. So okay. they are they are acting preceptors. A lot of times they'll have um, either they're tied into the sport nu- or the nutrition program on their campus, mm-hmm. or they're willing to take folks from out of state who want to come down and they yeah. go through the same application process. So okay, perfect. That's an option too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been great. Yeah, I loved hearing. <laughs> Thanks I, honestly, for listening. <laughs> I, <laughs> I learned so much. Genuinely, I kind of walked into it obviously knowing that it was an interesting topic, but you've shed so much light on it. So even I'm like, oh wow, that would be so cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's you wear so many hats. I could honestly mm-hmm. talk about the different roles and dive into detail. It would probably take hours to do. <laughs> so just, we could yeah, always do a part two and dive yeah. into each. Yeah, you could. Too. Yeah, there's enough of an interest. Yeah, dive yeah, into part absolutely. two. Absolutely. Yeah, there's just a whole lot. And I'll say too, like that was something like sport nutrition that I didn't get a lot of education on in my undergrad program and graduate program. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of having to self-teach and just learn on the fly. So I know now there are some specialized sport nutrition programs out there, Mm -hmm. but they're Mm -hmm. kind of few and far between. So I would say that I felt that from a clinical standpoint, I was prepared but from management of all the other aspects of sport mm-hmm. nutrition, you know, that was something that, you know, was very eye opening to me. And yeah. like I said, a lot of just learning on my own, learning on the fly to kind of get integrated into that field because it's a lot different than what you learn in school. So Tim said he's willing to do a part two if you'd like to hear more about sports nutrition or sports dietetics. Um, I loved this conversation with him. I thought it was so interesting. And like I said in the very beginning, it just was very eye-opening as to what a sports dietitian actually does. So I'm hoping you enjoyed it too. Please don't forget, this podcast is yours. So if there is something that you'd like me to ask him, if you do want me to do a part two, head on over to the Instagram, Jobs Podcast or onto the website, rdjobspodcast.com, and you can leave me a direct message. You can leave me a comment. Let me know what you'd like to hear. And if there's someone you'd like to hear from, feel free to leave that there too. I'll talk to you soon.